welcome to Board Game Binge, the place where we bring you bite-sized, bingeable board game content across the industry. I'm your host, James Staley, and in this episode, we're chatting with Nika, one half of the team behind Snowboard Games. Her first title, Hike, a card drafting dog sledding game, is already funded on Kickstarter, and it's in its final 48 hours. Nika, welcome to The Binge. How are you doing? Thank you. I am a bit nervous, but otherwise great. And you? Oh, that's okay. And just for the listeners, I mean, uh, English is not your native tongue, and that, that's totally cool. We're going to go slow in case there's any uh, words, and I'll help you with any words if there's anything that uh, we need to help explain things. So first of all, the elephant in the room, you are a physicist <laughs> with a primary interest in numerical simulations, fluid dynamics, and you have extensive experience in virtual reality flight simulators. Wow. That is <laughs> yeah. crazy. So explain this to me. So, so like how long have you been in, in physics and, and how did that get started? Uh, well, physics, uh, I studied physics. I'm 29. So um, I've completed my master's in physics a few years ago. And then right after uh, the studies, I started working for an aerospace uh, firm and we were developing virtual reality flight simulators for light ultra light actually aircraft and um, our simulators were across the world and people are actually using them for training so it's pretty awesome <laughs> that is super awesome wow and yeah. so was it everything from like just the physics of how it, it, it would fly or did you get into any of the programming at all or how did that work um, yeah, a bit of everything. We used a platform called Explain, which is an amazing program for flight simulations. And they uh, they have a lot of the physics there already. And it's great because they let you use parts of their physics and then switch parts with whichever parts you like with your own. So we did our own model, both 3D model and a bit of physics. Uh, and the VR was already native to that environment. So we could just use it straight. Um, wow. And yeah. now were you, have you had any experience actually flying like, like in reality or like, is this all just theoretical? Well, um, I did almost start taking the flying lessons. I actually, I think I took two and then I decided that I have too many hobbies because <laughs> I also <laughs> really like climbing and alpinism. And this is a hobby that takes a lot of time and also commitment. And oh, so yeah. is flying. So I decided that I needed to choose just one of them and climbing one. So <laughs> oh, wow. I'm not flying anymore, but yeah, I've sat inside the ultralight airplane. <laughs> and then how did this bridge into board gaming as, as a whole? Now your partner, uh, Blaj uh, is also your fiance, right? That uh, helped mm -hmm. you with this game. Um, like how long have you guys been gaming for? Like, is this something that started like when you were in school or even before that? Um, yeah, when I was a kid, we had um, a lot of more classic board games, probably you would call it. Um, and we had Settlers of Catan, which we really enjoyed with my sister and my cousin. Yeah. Um, so that was our entry game. And then... Um, when we were studying, a friend introduced us to the modern board games. And I have to admit, um, I didn't expect to find such a broad and versatile world because it really, when he started putting the games out and putting it on the table, I was my, like, 
my head exploded <laughs> and we've been hooked ever since so <laughs> yeah now did you play a lot as a couple or is it something that you independently kind of played and kind of came together with there yeah, we play as a couple and then we have some friends. Uh, we actually had a pretty great uh, group before the pandemic. Yeah. And then with COVID, everything, everything slows down a bit. But I'm hoping we could pick it up maybe in the next months. And is your goal to get into board games uh, more full time and move away from uh, being a physicist? Or do you see the two going hand in hand? Or how does that relationship work? Yeah, I see them hand in hand. Actually, um, when we started developing, developing this game, um, a lot of the factors um, came in together. Uh, one of them that was that we got an idea for the game and we really enjoy board games. So we said, okay, let's make a prototype and let's try it. Um, and then another one was that um, Kickstarter just came to Slovenia and we mm. were fans of the platform and we were following it as backers before. So this was also something that we wanted to, to explore. And maybe the third one was that um, during the pandemic, uh, I realized that the jobs are actually a very fragile concept. Um, yeah. And I was uh, in touch with the startup ecosystem through my work. And um, I was on a lecture by a great uh, lecturer, George Deriso, who said that people who excel in school often don't do anything special in real life. And this really hurt because I was quite good at school and and then oh. I started thinking about it and I, he was right, you know, because I was in this safe job and so were most of my colleagues and we weren't doing anything special. We were following, following this path that's pretty safe, but, you know, it's not really a dream of our own. We are pursuing someone else's dream and exchanging our time for a paycheck, basically. So, um, I was also starting to think about how maybe I could find some other channels to express myself. And um, yeah, I saw that physics just wasn't enough. You need other skills, soft skills and marketing skills. And this yeah. was a great project because it has very low technological risk. Um, I mean, it's a board game. Once mm -hmm. you have it, develop it, um, you just need to print it. So <laughs> um, it's not an app that you have to upgrade. And so we took this as an opportunity to learn about everything, business, Kickstarter, board game development. And it's been quite a learning experience. Oh, that's great. I mean, I talk to so many people and the, the number of people that get into the industry because, you know, they've got a great board game idea or they just want to be a board game designer. Um, and then what, what they get hit with is reality of is the business side, right? Like it's, I mean, yeah. if you're launching a board game, you're, you're getting into business, right? Unless you're yes. just handing it off to someone else, you got to learn the business side, right? And not everybody likes that. So, you know, from your perspective, when you came in this, uh, saying, look, we want to learn the business side uh, of this and, you know, board games for Kickstarter is one way to do that. That's a pretty cool approach. Cause I, I imagine it's, probably building up the toolkit that you would need to be successful as you continue to move forward. Yeah, I hope so. And also board games are a hobby that we see ourselves in uh, for the long term because it's a pretty cool hobby. You can do it while you're single, when you have kids, when you're old, yeah. you can do it always. And it's a great way to spend time with friends. So this is something that we want to be part of for the long run. Um, and 
I don't want to abandon physics. Actually, I missed it already. So <laughs> I do plan to return to physics, but this is a project. Hopefully we're creating a platform that yeah. will allow us to have something more. So the obvious question would be, given that you're a physicist in, um, I don't get this wrong, like fluid dynamics and, you know, in airplane simulators and so forth, why not a game to do with airplanes in flight? Yeah. Uh, <laughs> well, <laughs> I may spoil something there, but this is actually not the first idea that we had. Okay. <laughs> and the idea that we were previously working on actually is connected a bit to airplanes, um, but not the traditional ones, the more older ones and human-powered yeah. ones. Um, but that game is pretty complex. It's a Euro, um, mm. maybe probably um so it's not quite developed yet and this hike idea seemed pretty simple and straightforward and i had the idea and blush said well let's just make a prototype and the prototype was done in four hours so wow <laughs> um yeah but it was a very basic prototype handmade yeah. with arrows and um points and everything but um yeah so we kind of decided to go with hike first because yeah. um yeah, it was much easier. And we can also learn about game development on a game that's maybe not a heavy Euro, you know? So. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I, I totally get that. I mean, the first game I ever made um, over 25 years ago, I still haven't launched that game. So we have seven titles now uh, that we've, we've put together and that one is still not in that list. And it's for that exact same reason, right? It's like, this game has got a different, it's, it's not quite right yet. The, the mark is not right. There's something we got to kind of figure out on, not just understanding kind of how the, the industry works better before we do that one, because that one's a much more expensive game to do. So it's higher risk, but I'm not sure it's the right game to even launch on this platform, right? And so sometimes if you have multiple ideas, the one that is the simpler idea, the one that you know you can probably execute with least amount of risk is probably the best path to take because you're going to learn a lot from that. But then you can apply those learnings to when you do a, a more risky uh, launch, right? Yeah, so. exactly. Now with hike, let's talk about hike. So this game is about can dog sledding. Go ahead. Can yeah. I ask you something? Sure. Do you plan to launch that first game that you designed? Uh, that's a good question. It is. <laughs> it is on my wish list. Uh, it's one of those things that the, my, my challenge is, and, and my design partner, who's also my brother, Adam, um, every time we start working on a game, we end up having two or three offshoot games that we end up thinking of while working on that game. And the short answer is, is eventually that game will be done, but we keep following our passion, right? And I think it's important to follow your passion because your passion is what gets you excited it really keeps the engine going, right? There's the thing that gets you up in the morning and the thing that allows you to stay up till three o'clock and, you know, in the, in, in the next day working on your game is the passion. And we've been blessed with continually having different ideas that we're very, very passionate about. And so though we're going to let the engine run on those, so to speak, uh, for a little while. Mm. Um, but that one is, it's definitely before I retire, <laughs> that game will eventually be launched. So <laughs> Awesome. Uh, so dog sledding, let's talk about dog sledding. So how did you get this idea of doing a dog sledding game? Where did that come from? Uh, well, first I have to say, I have no practical experience with it whatsoever because I it's not really very popular here in Slovenia, or sure. at least I don't know about it. 
Um, but we watched a movie, Disney movie called Togo. Mm-hmm. Um, so you probably know about it. Yep. <laughs> and it has a really great story about this special bond between um, man and the dog and um, how they um, well ha- fight against the pretty brutal forces of nature because yeah. there's one monster storm in their path. And as alpine climbers, we've seen a bit of a rough weather conditions and um, we can really appreciate what they did. I mean, we don't have any experience that would compare to what they did, but um, and it's that is based on uh, actual live uh, real events. <coughs> so what was that? And um, then I Googled dog sledding and equipment and the distances and everything. And then forgot about it but i think it stayed with me subconsciously because about a month or two after i got the idea for this dog sledding game that would have um, dogs with different edges and that you would have to match patterns so this was kind of the core idea and then we went from there it's super cool and i'm sure for people who are watching and if you're listening to the podcast come check out the uh our youtube version of this interview you can see some of the visuals or just go to kickstarter and check it out yourself I mean, you guys, I'm going to put this in Canadian dollars because that's the way I can see it on this end. But man, you guys had a goal of like, I think it was like $6,000 or something like that. Like, or sorry, it's about uh, $8,700. You're at $152,000. So absolutely smashed your Kickstarter goal. So congrats on that. Um, and what really got me excited about this, number one, it was just a subject matter I thought was pretty interesting because it's so novel. Like I haven't seen a game like this before. And this idea of kind of training the dogs and and getting the dogs kind of ready and then going, um, you know, over terrain and the terrain is, is, is basically cards that you're flipping over each round to, to, as a, you know, as you're kind of traversing this this terrain and then having different equipment and things like that, that you can, uh, you can use. I just thought it was really cool as a game concept. Can you talk a little bit about how you play? Maybe give us a general idea of how you play this game. Mm, yeah, um, I, <laughs> I actually have a copy here. <laughs> no, sweet. Um, when these last days, I always keep a copy at hand because <laughs> you never yeah, know. For Kickstarter, you never know. Um, so yeah, um, you have these husky cards. And we really have an amazing artist, I have to say this, um, yeah, Paulina Bach. She's, she's worked on board game projects before, and we were so lucky when she said yes. Um, so yeah, you have these different Husky cards, and you need to put them in a sled, so two rows of four, and um, the edges need to match. So you can put them like this or like this, but you can't mm, put them like okay, this. Okay, I see, yeah. Yeah. And then you have movement points. This has two blue movement points, and this one has one gray, for example. And then you have landscape cards, for example, oops, this one, that also have uh, has movement points. And you have to match the movement points of the huskies with the movement points on the terrain. So it's um, first you're drafting your sled and matching the edges, and then in the second phase, you're racing and you're trying to get uh, to the finish as soon as possible. So that's is there any mitigating factors like after the race begins, is there anything you can do to improve your chances of winning that race? Or is the cards kind of, is it basically set once you, uh, once the, the, the dogs are kind of teamed up? Uh, so yeah, the, it's really important that what kind of a team uh, you start the mm-hmm. race with. Um, but then you have, um, 
equipment cards and care cards. Those are two kinds of special cards that allow you to have um, some additional actions. For example, care cards allow you to um, use your dog twice in a day or more times in a day because uh, your dogs are trained and trust you if you care for them. So mm-hmm. <laughs> um, <laughs> it's important to care for your dogs. That's for sure. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> Cause I mean, you need to take care of your team because yeah. when you work as a team, you can get results and otherwise you don't. Um, so yeah, uh, for the base game, I would say the, it's really important to build a strong team. And then we have an expansion because we wanted to keep this base game light and approachable and you know, so kids could play it. It could be a family game and yeah. it would be interesting for non-gamers. But being uh, gamers who prefer heavier games ourselves, we wanted uh, to add another level and then we decided to make an expansion. And this expansion has events uh, and those events affect the race. So, for example, you can take shortcuts, you can switch the land uh, landscape fields and... You can use your neighbor's huskies and stuff like that. So, oh, really? Um, okay. Yeah. <laughs> um, sometimes, if you're lucky and if you get the right cards. But yeah. Um, so I would say for the base game, it's the emphasis is maybe on the first phase, and then with the expansion, the race becomes much more. Uh, it it has many more choices. Yeah, and I was going to say, and I was just going to, I went back up to the top of the, the page here, is um, one thing I forgot to mention is that this is actually a two to six player game. And I think sometimes when you see a game like this, you may assume that you can only play it with, uh, with two players. How does it play with six players? Does it play really well with the six players as well? Uh, yeah, I think it does. I mean, I'm biased, obviously. But, uh, we... <laughs> of course. <laughs> so we wanted to design we were designing this for ourselves and we are a couple so we want to have a game that plays well with two but um we also have a situation when we are three couples for a game night so mm. obviously it had to be able to handle six players eight would be better but we start we stopped at six and then um we scaled it a bit with five and six players the sled gets a bit smaller you have six huskies instead of eight and the racetrack is a bit shorter so um the play time stays approximately the same um and then so as individual you get to do less actions but there's more overtaking and the race pace is maybe more interesting with more players while the preparations is more interesting with less players. So I guess it's it balances out. And the one thing I was just showing on the on the page here is that um, it seems like most of your backers are actually uh, going with um, the expansion, right? The base game plus expansion. Yeah, um, I think when we looked at other Kickstarter projects, we, decide, uh, we saw that um, if you have a pledge that is exclusive to Kickstarter, that one is actually the most popular. Mm. Um, So we decided to offer a combo pack of base game and expansion where you get a free first player token. So that's a Kickstarter exclusive. So um, the backers of Kickstarter can actually get an item that's that won't be available in retail if we get to retail. And will your expansion fit in the same box as the base game? Yeah, Yeah. Um, because we want uh, to be our shelf friendly so (laughs) it will definitely fit and um, backers are are also asking if sleeved cards will fit too and yes they will because 
Oh, wow. Yeah. yeah. And this is something that not everybody always thinks of. And uh, I mean, I'm guilty of that as well. Uh, mm-hmm. I worked on a game where we had the box all kind of measured out and someone asked a question, well, are you going to have sleeves? You know, okay, like if, you know, and if you're not going to offer sleeves and I'm putting my own sleeves on it, are they going to fit in the box? Of course we said yes. And then scrambled to go and redesign the tray to actually fit uh, the sleeve cards. So uh, kudos to the backer that pushed us on that one, but uh, yeah. you know, but it makes a difference, right? Cause I think, you know, the one thing that I know personally, I don't like is when I have a base copy of a game and then an expansion and it's a separate box. Yeah. Right. Cause the chances are I'm probably going to play the expansion right out of the gate. Like, you know, I want the full kind of version of the game. Cause I like to play a little bit heavier than maybe what you buy off of the shelf. Um, but then having to separate everything back out and put a separate box is not always a nice experience. So it's very cool that you guys uh, thought of that ahead of time. What's yeah. some of the marketing that you've done uh, going into this? I see on your page, Jellop uh, is one of the services you've utilized. They're a social media amplification company, right? So they help with Facebook ads and things like that. Um, going into it, was that something that you had planned out of the gate or what was your plans going into this campaign? Well, um, we were very fortunate to be able to work with um, Niko Klanšek, who is one of the most experienced people in Slovenia. Um, when you mention Kickstarter, his name is going to come up. Uh, he's run several successful projects himself and he mentors sure. projects now. So we were really happy to um, get to be a part of his crowdfunding bootcamp. And then he talked us through the... Um, technical stuff of running the campaign. So about preparing the landing page, building a community, building a mailing list, um, using social media as channels. And then we talked about um, how to set up the Kickstarter page. And um, he also mentioned these agencies, uh, uh, for example, Yelp, who help with marketing. Um, But we were kind of not sure whether we want to use it or not, because they usually only work with bigger projects that organically reach um, 50,000 euros. And we honestly didn't see ourselves as reaching that. Um, But then we had a pretty great start and we decided, well, maybe we do wants to look at marketing, at least, you know, try it and because it's it's a bit daunting you need to have um, a bit of a budget for that. For yeah. example, you need to have 400 euros for the first day just to test. So if it doesn't work, you're putting 400 euros away, basically. And yeah. that's a lot of money for us. Yeah. So um, when we had this great start, we said, okay, let's try it the first day if it works, if it doesn't. Um, and then we tried and it actually worked pretty well. So um, yeah, we... We are happy that we did it. Yeah. Um, and how I big is your community that you've built? Like with this uh, social media uh, community, is have you got like a, a like a, a great uh, using Discord or, or how are you kind of nurturing that? Mm. Um, we started with a mailing list. Um, I think our mailing list was pretty tiny when we started the Kickstarter because um, it was um, about one thousand subscribers, which is yeah. not a lot. Um, but it was pretty strong. The conversion rates uh, usually for Kickstarter projects are set to be between two and 5%. Mm-hmm. And we got 12% on the yeah. first two days, I think. So we had a pretty strong mailing list. And I think it's because we never offered basically anything. <laughs> um, we just said, if you're interested in this, subscribe and 
follow us and we never offered discounts or stuff like that because we simply didn't know if we would be able to offer a discount um so that and then we also have a facebook page and an instagram account but we're really not experts in that field we're, sure. we're still learning uh, and then board game geek um we were present there on the forums but i'm not sure if that's really i mean that's a great community to be involved in uh, yeah. but it's not really our community or our followers it's just the forums are really great and yeah it's one of these things that it's constantly evolving right that's the challenge of kickstarter and you know everyone is always trying to find out you know what's the template that i need to follow and the problem is is it keeps shifting right you know yeah. things are ever evolving so what you know works right now you know six months eight months a year from now may not be the thing that that works as effectively right so it's exactly. constantly trying to stay on top of the one of the best pieces of advice i had and um, that you kind of mentioned was um i was working with a company that said you know instead of advertising and sending people to your pre-signup page your notify me page on kickstarter you are far better off to create a splash page which shows your like what your game is about and in there, they can decide, do they want to opt in or not? And if, and it's more expensive to get them to go there. And so your, your cost per acquisition of people to actually say, yes, notif you know, uh, you know, add me to your mailing list after seeing that splash page, it's, you know, two or three more clicks than just a single click. But then the, the return, right? When you actually launch your campaign, the conversion of those people is much, much higher. Um, of getting them to actually back you. And, you know, it was a, it was pretty insightful uh, when I, when I, when I saw that, because in the past I was always focused, you know, the notify me count, you know, that I got to get that pre pre-launch notify me count up. You can always direct people there from your mailing list. The exactly. challenge is if you, if you direct people directly to that notify me page, and this is Chandler Copenhaver from uh, CrowdOx and, and backer kid, I'll give him a shout out as mm -hmm. well. You know, this was his piece of advice. He's like, you know, People go there and, and you have no influence over that contact once they go exactly. and they sign up on that page. But if you have them on an email list and send them from there over to notify me page, now you have the ability to retarget them and, and, and you know, and, and circle back and, and check in and kind of keep that community going. So, you know, there's, there's a lot of very smart people out there. And the more yeah. you can listen to these people out there, I think the better off some of these campaigns can be. And it sounds like you guys really surround yourself with a lot of very smart people before you did your campaign, which is probably the right, uh, the we, right strategy. We try, we try to, because this is, uh, I think this is one of my core principles was I, when I was little, my uncle told me, and he's one of the smartest people I know. He told me yeah. um, that experience is a great school, a teacher, uh, but um, teach, learning everything from your own experience is expensive. So you have yeah. to listen to other people and learn from their experiences. And um, so when I take on a new project or uh, want to learn about new, a new topic, I Google it myself first. And then um, if I really want to get involved in it, it's a, for me, it works great if I can find someone who's done it before, who is successful in that field and then ask. Because these people that are really successful are usually so um, open to answering your questions. You just need to ask, you know, so. Oh yeah, it's, it is. It's a very, very uh, welcoming community, I would say. Yeah. And um, I mean, the worst case, somebody says no, 
right? If you reach out to somebody exactly. to ask a question, I mean, worst case, they don't answer you or they say, uh, like, I'm not going to answer you. Most exactly. cases, people are, are more than happy to yeah. pay it forward, right? Because many of them were in the same position where they're trying to learn, yeah. right? Yeah, so, exactly. Yeah, I think that's important. So after after this game, um, are you already thinking of the next game that's coming? Or what do you guys have planned for when this campaign finishes in 72 hours or 48 uh, hours, so, I guess? Yeah, um, so we will probably take a day off <laughs> well-deserved yeah <laughs> it's it's really been a crazy experience um and though we were prepared for the technical part of it we weren't prepared for the sleepless nights and for the emotions and everything that comes with it and it's been amazing i'm not complaining it's just it's been a lot so <laughs> maybe a day off without a phone and without a computer first would be awesome yeah uh, and then we will focus first on um getting hike into production finalizing the pdf files and preparing everything to go into print um and then once that is well on the way um we will probably start well continue with the development of that first game that we have in the drawer so the one that's ready to come the 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 the, the one that this is the trial for i guess right yeah <laughs> something like that yeah and um we do want to be in this field for the long run so we're nice. hoping maybe hike would get into retail hopefully maybe uh and then yeah we would start working on the second game Oh, that's super cool. Well, for anybody that wants to check out this campaign, they can uh, either type in hike, right? And search under games on a Kickstarter, or I've actually got a link right in the show notes to make it easy for people to find. Uh, I want to wish you guys all the best on this campaign, man. You must be just on cloud nine right now, just seeing that ticker tape continue to spin. Even as we're talking here, that ticker tape just keeps spinning, right? Keeps going up. So these final 48 hours, I think you're going to end up in a very, very happy place. All the best for this campaign in this coming year. Thank you. And thank you for having me here. No worries. You take care. Cheers. You too. Cheers. This has been an episode of the Board Game Binge Podcast, hosted by James Staley, produced by James Staley and Mike Bruner, with original music by Nick Smith. If you would like to watch these interviews live, simply subscribe to our YouTube channel, Board Game Binge, and you'll get access to live interviews, giveaways, and interesting board game content from across the industry. I can't wait for you to join us. See you next time.